The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Genesis chapter 19, if you'd turn there, please. We're going to start in verse 1, reading from the New King James tonight. You can remain standing if you're able to. In the third month, pardon me, that's Exodus. Here we go. Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting at the gate of Sodom. And when Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Here now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night. Wash your feet that you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, No, but we will spend the night in the open square. But he insisted strongly, so they turned into him and entered his house. And he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Now before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. And they called to Lot, and they said to him, Where are the men whom came to you tonight? Bring them out, so we may know them carnally. Whoa, pretty graphic. Y'all understand what that means? So we could have homosexual sex with them, bring them out. That's what they said. So Lot went out from them through the doorway, shut the door behind him, and said, Please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. Verse 8. See, now I have two daughters. I can never understand this right here. See, now I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please let me bring them out to you. You may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men. Since this is... I'm sorry. I've got like light issues. Either that or I need glasses. I'm not sure which. It's light. It's, it's light issues. All right. What verse are we at? See, now I have two daughters. Okay. Uh, these men, since for this reason, under the shadow of my roof. Verse 9. And they said, stand back. And they said, this one came in to stay here, and he keeps acting like judge. Now we'll deal worse with you than with them. So they pressed hard against a man lot and came near to break down the door. But the men reached out their hands and pulled Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great. So they became weary trying to find the door. And the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here, son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, whoever you have in the city, take them out of this place? For we'll destroy this place because of the outcry them great pardon me, because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons in law who had married 
his daughters and said, Get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But to his sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. It's probably because they were stoned. Did I say that? Maybe they were drunk. Okay, verse 15. If you can't laugh at stuff, man, you got a problem. Okay, praise God. Verse 15. Some of the stuff that pastor says. Verse 15. When the morning dawned, the angel argued Lot to hurry, arise, take your wife, your two daughters, and those who are here, lest you be consumed with the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, men took hold of his hand. The men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought them out, and they set them outside the city. So it came to pass, when they had brought them out the side of the city, they said, escape for your life. Do not look behind you, nor say, where is the plain? Escape to the mountains, lest you're destroyed. And Lot said to them, Please, no, my lords. Indeed, now your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have increased your mercy and shown me that you're saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountains, lest some evil overtake me and I die. See, now there's a city near enough to flee to. And basically he flees, and on the way... Lot turns around and becomes a pillar of salt. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you're going to do tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you may be seated. Let me get after this as the clock is ticking on. If you knew about a massive earthquake that was going to come at the exact time it was going to come, don't you think you'd prepare for that? You know, we had a few things fall from the walls uh, here at the church in my office, my house, not so, but... We had a couple things during the 7.1 or those two converging earthquakes. And my mother's told me, you know, that, that credenza that you put up, that thing was rocking pretty good. And so I thought to myself, I think it's time to go with a, you know, some wire and tie it into the wall. How many of you think maybe you're going to go shore some things up around your house? But can you imagine if you knew what time the earthquake was going to come? Can you imagine if you were in Valdez in 1964 when the massive you know, tidal wave came in. Yeah, Bill was there, took pictures and everything. You know, you were there. Can you imagine if you'd known, you could have warned the whole city and said, everybody to the high ground, because at 12 noon, what time was it? 5.37 p.m. Because the mighty tidal, mighty tidal wave. Well, a lot of people lost their lives because they didn't know what time it was. They didn't know when it was going to happen. This is a fascinating text of Scripture Two angels have visited Abraham, and you can read the, the, the chapters previous. And they're on the way to Sodom to inspect the evil. Two angels on their way to Sodom to inspect the evil, and they're met by Lot. Lot is Abraham's nephew, and they had separated because they had been so prospered, and they could no longer have their herds and flocks near each other because there just wasn't enough room, and their herdsmen were arguing. And so Lot went and ended up living in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. It wasn't his intention at first, but he ended up getting closer and closer. And we know from, uh, from previous battles that there was, uh, there was a war against Sodom, and Lot was taken captive. Abraham came and rescued him. And so Lot is at the gate. The gate of the city is where 
is where decisions are made. It's where covenants were made. It's where the leaders of the city hung out. And uh, not unlike the city council, if you can think about it that way. It was a place where legislation was made. It was a significant place. So Lot is there by this gate, and it indicates a number of things. One, that he was probably a leader in the city. Two, that he's probably very wealthy. And uh, as these men come into the city, he warns them. It doesn't, says, don't, don't stay in the city square. You need to come to my house. See, Lot is aware of the evil in the city, and he insists that these visitors, now he doesn't know they're angels, but he insists that these visitors come into his house. They want to stay at the city square, which was a common thing, but no, 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 he says, no, 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 you can't do that. He knew what evil lurked around the city square. Lot knew it was going to happen. However, Lot's firmly part of the city. If you look at Genesis, which is a great tragedy, what do you see? What do you mean it's a tragedy? We'll watch this train of thought. In Genesis chapter 13, verse 12, Abraham lived in the land of Canaan. Lot lived among the city plains. He pitched his tents near Sodom. But by Genesis 14, he's actually living in the city. So he got closer and closer and closer. It's a picture that you can't have fellowship with evil. You must be very careful or you'll be ensnared. And Lot was drawn in. And he was drawn in by his eyes, the well-watered plains. You know, everything that you see is not necessarily what it will be later on from that point. Don't, don't consider the outward appearance. Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. Many times when people will make decisions based upon what they see, they can, they can get or they can have. Listen, you, gotta, you need a word from the Lord. And uh, Lot, which means veiled, do you know that's what his name means? He couldn't see the promises of God. And so Lot ended up being a part of the city, and he had not influenced the city, which is a tragic thing. It's a tragedy that he would live in the city, though be very wealthy and even a leader as being at the gate, and yet not influence the city uh, for that which is outside. I mean, praise God, his daughters, uh, they must have been betrothed because they've not been with a man. It says later on that they're married, but it could have been betrothal, but we know that they're virgins. So here they are, they go to Sodom and Gomorrah High, but they're still virgins. Did you get it? So his household was apparently righteous, and these, two, these men come to basically see the outcry for the Lord, but they're angels, and he doesn't know it. And they come to rescue him. And it is a great tragedy that he lives in the city but not influenced it. Let me just say this. If you're a Christian, your job is to influence our city. That is part of the calling of God in your life. Register to vote. You can make a difference. Just like a minority has made a difference in voting, voting through same-sex marriage and on and on and on. And a whole generation that's lost his life because of Roe versus Wade. Because of one squeaky person. It turned the tide. And, and, and we can turn it again. But we can't be like Lot. Just, you know, just, man, as long as my house is all right. I've thought that way probably most of my Christian life. But in, but in, these recent dec in the recent decade, I'm starting to think, you know something? It is not just about my life. It is not just about my family. I will protect my family. I'll do whatever I, I got to do in the name of Jesus to protect my family physically, financially, spiritually. And it is a spiritual battle. Don't, don't be mistaken. And you need to do the same thing. But it's not just about our households. You know, the thing, you know, when Hitler came to power, everybody was quiet. 
They were afraid of raising up their voices. They were afraid. And, you know, we can't be afraid. We can't be like Lot. Not in, It's a great tragedy of Sodom and Gomorrah as he didn't declare the word of the Lord so much so that at least there's 50 or 60 or 100 people coming out of city of thousands. You missed a great place to say amen. So Lot's entertaining these angels unaware as Hebrew talks about the book of Hebrews. And the men of Sodom, both young and old, surround the house and they demand to basically rape these two visitors in Lot's house. And Lot says, man, you can't do it. You, you, no, no. Jude 7 says there's only one chapter, so it's verse 7. In a similar way, listen to this. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example. A what? An example of those who suffer punishment of eternal fire. This is the primary reason that Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed, is sexual perversion. But you can look in some other places in Scripture, and it talks about how they didn't take care of the poor and the needy. Is another reason. Wow. They were selfish, consumed, worshipers of their own self. And this, this response uh, here of the crowd as they surround the house, they say, this, this man thinks, has moved here and he makes himself judge over us. That is exactly the way the world is. It's exactly the way people have responded to, to our declaration of righteousness just this past week. And it's exactly what people say. If you come against and stand against that, then you're called a homophobe. If you stand against the things that are, that are not right biblically, then there becomes great prejudice against you. And it's all a setup for the Antichrist, which I've preached in other messages. It's, it just reminds me of the world. Who do you think you are to make us I'm a lawgiver and judge? I mean, who are you? God's a lawgiver. All we are is holding it out, declaring what the truth is. And they consider it strange that we don't plunge into all kinds of dissipation, as it says in the New, in the New Testament. What a nice message tonight. I had all kinds of hate email, all kinds of defiling stuff over our Facebook. I've got news for you. I'm not limperous and I'm not weak-kneed. I'm made for a fight. So, you know, I'm not telling you to bring it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand for righteousness. This is what we're going to do. I don't want to fight with anybody, but right is right and wrong is wrong. And, and otherwise, it'll be inside your house before you can say, chap junk over a candlestick. And it's not, it's not, not going to happen. We can't, I mean, we can't sit idly by and just let our nation go to pot. Zach, that was good. I'm going to have to remember that. There's people so bound in sin that they don't want anyone telling them what they're doing is wrong. And, um, and it should not be that way. Listen, if you're doing something wrong... Praise God for somebody who love you enough to get up in your grill. And you could be a jerk about it. That's not the way we were, and that's not the way we will be. But the name of the game in spiritual warfare is intimidation, and I just don't have any of that. I, I, I'm, I didn't come for the ring, and I didn't come for a robe. I certainly didn't come for a hand clap. I didn't come for a pat on the I came for the fight. And we're going to move evil back in our own lives first and foremost. And after that, in our community, can you say amen? amen. So I didn't sign up for a church like that. We'll go find another one. We love you. Praise God.
I'm not kidding. I mean, we love you. God called you to go somewhere else. We're going to be active. We're going to do the right thing. All right, we're going to make disciples. We're going to reach the lost, and we're going to fight against evil. That's what, that's what, that's what Christians are supposed to do. All right, very good. Glad you guys are encouraged. The whole culture in Sodom and Gomorrah is just morally blind, and, and it's a sad thing. If you can dumb down society enough, then you're able to manipulate them, and I'm afraid that that's what's happening. I really am. I'm afraid that our society is being dumbed down at such a level that people don't even know what's right from wrong anymore. Adolf Hitler uh, had horrible hatred for Jews. He called them useless eaters. And he was able to defile a whole nation just little by little. It's interesting that they took their guns. one of the first things they did. You look at any culture that lost their guns, they were soon, they were soon to ride off into being controlled and manipulated. Can't have my gun. In fact, I'm looking forward to some getting some new ones. Six million Jews killed. That's that's a hundred and listen, listen, let me just put it in perspective for you. That's a hundred and twenty-five thousand Jews killed every month for four years straight. So the state of Alaska would basically be eradicated in about 10 months. That's a lot of people. All the media was on his side. The whole nation was won over by this demonic doctrine of the Aryan race. Russia, 20 to, it's hard to say, 20 to 60 million people murdered under Stalin in Russia. 60 million. I didn't say six. As many as 60 million people killed by a psychopath named Stalin. He said, well, that can't happen today. We're smarter today. Apparently not. And I've said it before, and I like it. I just like, like how it rings. You know, taking away guns is like taking away a spoon and fork so you, can, you, know, so you don't have an overeating problem. It's an internal issue. All right, in spite of the angels telling Lot to hurry and leave the city, he hesitates. And I'm not sure why he hesitated, but, you know, we can grow fond of things. And um, I'm not sure what soul ties he had in the city. Maybe it was his friend that he was witnessing to. And, you know, but it, there comes a time when it's over. And they try to get him to leave the city, but he hesitates. They take him by the hand, which is amazing. Because of God's mercy, I'm in the E. Y'all have notes? Y'all being encouraged tonight? He takes, uh, uh, he takes him by the hand, and they lead him out. And because of God's mercy, the angels forcefully took Lot. They took him by the hand. He said, you're coming with me. Took him by the hand and yanked him, his wife and his daughters, and they forcefully took him. You know, why, you know why the Lord closed the door in the ark for Noah? Because Noah couldn't. I don't think he physically could, but I, don't, I think his own heart would hinder him from doing it of the people that he knew and even loved. And you know, there comes a time when God will, God will do things like he, for the mercy of God forcefully moves him out. And instead of going to the mountains, he, he plans to go to Zor. And uh, the moment he gets to Zor, God destroys uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot's wife looks back and becomes a pillar of salt. Josephus, 
talks about the pillar of salt, who's a Jewish historian in the first century, talks about it and says, I've seen, the, I've seen the pillar of salt there. And you can go to that area, that region where they say that that is, and there's these very strange formations of salt. And uh, Abraham, it states, saw the destruction. And it was because of Lot that, because of Abraham, the law was spared. And you see that in verse 29. We didn't read that. All right, God's talking to us today. Very simply, I need to hurry because I don't want to hold you long. Eternal judgment's real. There will come a day when you and I will stand before a, a loving God to give an account for every idle word and every deed that we've ever done. And if you're covered with the blood, then your evil deeds, if you've, that which you've not repented of, you will be, you'll suffer loss for. There will be a judgment. There's a judgment seat of the believer. That, that, that's those who are saved. They believe in Jesus, that he died on a cross, rose again from the grave. And then we stand before him. And there's nobody with you. It's just you. And you give an account. But that account, that judgment that you receive, I don't think we can understand it. I don't think we have a framework for really understanding what it means to suffer loss. It's not that you head to hell. You're saved. But there seems to be a positioning in heaven, the rewards that are given. And I'm pulling from many different scriptures. It seems to be these rewards that are given for those who overcome. They'll be given a, you know, a, a, a rock with a new name on it, that, you know, pillars in the house of the Lord and so on and so forth. It seems that those who are able to overcome, that, they, that there's a closer positioning to the throne. That's what it seems to me. But I, I don't really know. So I don't know how you suffer loss but you still end up in heaven, but it's not a judgment unto hell, but there is hell. Listen, Jesus spoke words about hell. It's not popular. It's, it's, not, it's not a warm, fuzzy topic. Hell. It, it, it's, not, it's not popular. Let me read this to you, though. Eternal judgment is real. Jesus is real. Eternal judgment is, is real. It's about to get real. Second Peter 2, 6. If he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the depraved conduct of, law, of, law, of the lawless, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. It's giving, it's, it's warning us. It's saying, hey, judgment's real. It's a real thing. So check yourself before you wreck yourself. Take a good look and see where are you in your life. Have you really received Jesus? And, and where, where are you at? Ju judgment's real. And it's real for the, it, hell's real, but judgment for the believer's real too. And then there's judgment for nations. God will judge, here we go, God will judge nations and cities, not just by their evil, by what they have been given. Wow. Matthew 25, 41, He will say to those on His left, Depart from Me, you who are cursed, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. That's the devil and his demons. Eternal fire is prepared for who? The devil and his demons. Eternal fire is not prepared for you or anybody you know. It's not prepared for human beings. Is prepared for the devil and his demons. However, if you reject the Son of God, you reject the free gift of righteousness 
then he has but no choice. That decision made in time as you pass into eternity will remain forever. You can't repent once you're dead. That's it. And the decision that you have in your heart before the Lord, that will stand and you'll either end up in heaven or end up in, in hell and hell's not prepared for you. But he cannot have any fellowship with sin and unrighteousness. And we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us need a Savior more than a... It's more than a rule book. He's bigger than a bunch of rules. You need a Savior. Wow. Revelation 20 verse 15. Anyone whose name is not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Oh. Every generation, God will raise up a witness. That's what we all hope to be. We don't claim to be perfect. We love the Lord. We live our lives according to biblical truth the best we're able to. When we fall short, we repent. We need to be a witness. We need to hold out the word of truth like a bird. When's the last time, don't raise your hand or anything, and when's the last time you shared your faith? Now, an evangelist said this. It wasn't me. So if you get offended, just blame him. I'm not going to tell you his name, but you can just blame him. Ivan Tate. He said this. He said, if you don't witness, you've got the devil on you. Now, I got semi-offended. Then I realized, huh. And he says, because who believing in hell for real and a real salvation, and by the way, you can't have real salvation unless you have a revelation of hell. You, you can't have a, you will never appreciate walking with Jesus, living for him, having peace. If you don't really realize there's a place of eternal damnation and fire that he saved you from. If you just think, oh, it's all good, then you're missing out. You have to really understand biblically, Jesus really did talk about hell more than just about anything else. So he said, why would anybody, if, if they weren't bound, if, if, if they had, I mean, if you know that, you believe that, how could you walk past somebody? Now, it might be a little hardcore, but sometimes we callous our hearts because we just, you know, I'm sitting in that city council, and honestly, for about half of it, I'm just going, oh, God, come on, come on, come on. And then I started realizing, oh, wait a minute. These folks are just as hurting, many of them. Some of them as messed up as I was. I felt like the Lord said, dude, you were just like that. I was like, oh, oh, yeah. What a rebuke. I got the big slap down from the Lord. You're the same thing. If I didn't save you, you, just, you were worse. They had the wherewithal to come to a meeting. You couldn't find the door. Come on. He said, dude, he's talking about me. I know. And look at you now. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. There's a, those who've been given much, then much is required. Matthew eleven twenty three, 23. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No. You'll go down to Hades. For if the miracles were performed and you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. Wow. Capernaum, where it's where Jesus set up his base of operations. Some say, well, Europe is ten times worse than America. You're forgetting this very, very important truth. America was founded on biblical principles and had revivals that Europe never had. 
And we have had an outpouring here, generation after generation after generation. We still, I believe, still send out more missionaries than any other nation. We've been blessed by God more than any other country. But that's changing because Leviticus 18 talks about how the land will vomit us out. If we break all of God's laws, you can't expect, come on, you, you go, listen, some of you are looking at me like, what? Any nation, any civilization... Anyone, anyone in all of world history, so don't think that we'll be excluded. All of world history, any civilization that has endorsed the things that our nation is endorsing ceases to exist shortly thereafter. Go study history. So I'm not going to whistle Dixie and watch us all ride off into the pit. I'm not doing that. We've got to stand up. Come on, don't be a lot and not, not impact your city. Can you say amen? If you're a believer and you're over 18... Get, get your license to vote. 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 Otherwise, you can say nothing. Make sure you vote. It's a Christian duty, an obligation that we have. People died so that you could vote. We have a whole generation that's just asleep in the arms of the enemy. I think it's all going to be fine. Everybody can pay their bills. It's, listen, Social Security is going to have a problem because you have a whole generation that's just not even working and paying into it population boom I'm, I'm telling you well hallelujah how many of you being encouraged tonight look at your neighbor and say well this is just awesome praise God so glad I came to KC hey praise God all right let's finish this thing we can flee we can escape and others can escape with us. And it's very, very simple. The only, only God's intervention can save you. Only God's intervention can, intervention can save us. As a city, as a state, as a nation. Only God's intervention. And God uses people. We must not hesitate. He hesitated. Lot hesitated. I've often wondered about his sons-in-law. What a bunch of knuckleheads. No, can you imagine, like the middle of the night, right? And, and your father-in-law busts in. Get up! Get up right now! There's a tidal wave. I mean, it's like, there's hellfire coming. There's, you know, smoke and ashes and flames, everything. It's, it's all, and they thought he was joking. They must have been smoking some bad weed. I mean, how could you think that... Can you play for us, please? You didn't think that was funny, Pastor Alex? I thought it was funny. How could you think that your father-in-law is joking? What is wrong with those sons-in-law? Oh, I don't know. The same thing that's wrong with our whole generation. Well, not all of them. You're here. Praise God. God's changing you. He's changing us. Amen. Amen. Well, they're just so numb. They're so anesthetized. Medicated. That they can't even see the forest from the trees. In fact, the angel came out. And I love how they're grabbing him. And how do you get it one dude away from a whole young and old city that's trying to grope the guy? And it says, and the angels reached in and pulled him inside. It's like, <laughs> Some supernatural strength there. Then he made them blind. 
It's a picture of what our culture is. They are morally bankrupt and blind. How will they see? How will they know? Unless someone says, unless someone goes and opens their eyes. Don't hesitate to receive Jesus. Don't. Is what you've looked for. You won't find them at the end of a joint, at the end of a bottle. You won't find them. Those things don't satisfy, and you know it. They don't satisfy you. There's nothing that, there's no man, there's no woman, there's no sex act that you can go through that's going to satisfy you. Nothing. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? You see, even in marriage, even in marriage, your wife or your husband, if I could define it that way, biblically, they can't truly give you everything you need. And so if you look to make an idol out of your wife or an idol out of your husband to look to try to get all your needs met from him, <laughs> ma'am, you will be sorely disappointed by homeboy. And sir, if you try to I don't mean the, the beautiful union and satisfaction that comes from loving relationship and covenant. I don't mean that. But I mean, if you try to get the deepest needs met from your wife, your deepest needs are met by the one who made you. No one else can satisfy. And so many people are addicted to relationship. They're relationally addicted, but they, after the two years is usually the cycle, they end up bankrupt emotionally, broken, dissatisfied, and looking for, you know, trading in for some other relationship. And let's, let's do that again. I mean, why would you constantly get on a sinking boat? Don't hesitate to receive Jesus. Number three, don't look back. Forgetting that which lies behind, I press on to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I look in the rearview mirror of my life. I don't look too long. Dude, a lot of carnage. Bodies everywhere. Body parts and, you know, spiritually speaking, destroyed. All kinds of stuff. Well, I can look in my rearview mirror now after decades of serving God and not see that. But listen, don't, don't worry about what you came out of. Just fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter the finisher of your faith. Set your gaze upon Him. Set your face like a flint to serve God. It's the good life. I met some people when I was in the islands at this last conference. I haven't seen them in 10 plus years. And uh, I know the lifestyle that they were living. They were living a lifestyle of Jesus and, well, it could have been other things, but it happened to be Jesus and dope. Marijuana. They smoked lots of pot, read the Bible, serve Jesus. And uh, the marriage ended up destroyed, and uh, they no longer really served the Lord. They kind of got, you know, deluded and confused, and they don't go to church anymore. They don't tithe anymore. They don't have joy anymore. There's no peace in their life. They're, much of their fortune, they were very, very extremely wealthy people. Much of it's been wiped out. And I walk into a restaurant, and I, I saw them. I thought, man. Is that them? Because, dude, they look old. And so I've decided that it's them. So I get up from the table where I was being tortured by other people eating food. 
Thank God it's over. Thank you, Jesus. And I went over to the table. I said, hey. And, and the, the woman who was there, who used to be married, she, her eyes bug out of her head. She says, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What happened to you? I said, well, what do you mean? She says, like, you look like you're 35 and you're filled with joy. I said, yeah, man, serving Jesus. She says, you're still serving Jesus. I said, oh, yeah. Yeah, he's really good. And they just looked at me like, what the heck? I said, 35? That's 35. He said, how old are you? I said, I'm almost 50, praise God. And they were amazed. Listen, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And, and you might not see the full turnaround in the first year or even the second, but God will bless you and He'll bless your family. Serve Him with your hair on fire. Don't look back to your old life. Some people, they get saved, they think everything should turn around in six months. For God's sake, you were so into the whirlwind for 10, 15 years, and you served them for six months, and you just think that you should just be the crown prince now. You are in the spirit, but it hasn't played out in the natural yet. Just be patient. Didn't get all jacked up in six months. Takes a little bit to undo things. You know, Job, Job had restoration. How many times did God, how many fold? Tenfold, I believe it is. Now, how many kids did he have at first? I forget, but it's quite a few. So tenfold on the children? Dude, that's like 40 kids. You want to tell me how long it takes to have 40 kids? So the tenfold blessing, the tenfold blessing on Job's life didn't take six months. Don't quit. Don't look back. Serve God. He's worth it. He's worthy of all your adoration. He's worthy of your complete adoration and, and, and to be a living sacrifice. Come on. Somebody say hallelujah. I think that's it. Oh. Stand up on your feet. Oh, for your note takers. Don't do it. Don't wait. Wait. You can pray for others. You can pray for others. You can make a difference. Did you get something? Text I've preached from before, but a powerful message. I believe it applied to right where we're at. Come on, stand up on your feet all across this place. I'm done. It's five minutes after nine. There's still nothing on TV. Come on, praise God. Father, thank you for what you've done tonight. Thank you for your goodness towards us in the land of the living and how you, come on, how many of you, you just got set free. Jesus set you free. Some of you were, you know, tormented. Some of you are bound. Some of you may be addicted. Come on, thank Him right out loud. Come on, thank, thank Him right out loud. Come on, thank Him. Can we do the good thing? Huh? Yeah, switch. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. Come on, give a shout to God. Hey! Because God is so good. I want to sing this one more time. We're going to close. Come on, Pastor Alex, you lead us. Because you are good.
to sound beautiful. Good. A little louder. You are good. You are. congregation if you're not right with God don't you waste one more minute in your old life surrender to him give your life to Jesus he'll take you he'll he'll bring about the purpose and the meaning for which you were created if you're here you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or make a recommitment under the sound of my voice just pray with me right out loud say dear heavenly father thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place come into my heart and wash me cleanse me. Forgive me of all of my sin. Be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you and we'll close. Holy Spirit, I pray. Fill, touch, break every bondage. Break off addiction. Break off every curse. Release your power upon each and every one of us, Lord, that we would fulfill the mandate And in the end, we'd hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Touch every hurting, broken life that's out there tonight in here in the congregation. Bring healing, freedom, and joy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Give us greater avenues to be able to influence for the kingdom of God, for the love of Jesus. Keep our hearts tender before you that we'd not be calloused though someone heard slurls and curses. Lord, we say tender before you to love people and to love you, to be lovers of God and deliverers of men. 
We thank and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Lord, bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace in Jesus' precious name. And all of God's people said, amen. God bless you. We'll see you on the weekend. Hey, sign up for Friday. Good. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.